0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus.
1: For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. My name is Kathy Spaulding. I'm um, I'm on the leadership team, and I um, have the opportunity today to share with you the message that God has given me. So... um, This month, we are talking about, um, okay, that's the wrong slide. I'm not sure what happened. We are talking about emoticons and uh, what emoticons are. If you weren't here last week, Mark did a fabulous job last week explaining emoticons and emotions and, and what they are. But emoticons are little icons that you use. As we all know, when you write, you cannot convey everything through written word like you could in person you don't have body language, you don't have facial expressions, you don't have tone, um, inflection and so to add to writing we would add a little emoticon to to signify this is what this means you know you can laugh or you can be sad or or and um, that kind of thing so emoticons Sorry. sorry I haven't used this very much. Awesome. There, okay. So the first, um, when I thought about emoticons, the very first one that I would have said, I would have used was this. We all know this means hugs and kisses, right? So the X's are the kisses and the O's are the hugs, okay? So, um, but actually emoticon is a, uh, punctuation that represents um, emotions. And so we all know this one, right? A little smiley face. And that would probably be the one I use the most. These are a couple of other ones that you may have seen. I am not that technically savvy. I don't use all these, but, you know, sticking your tongue out, laughing, um... I can't read them. Skeptical, which is funny because I don't use skeptical. I use that for a I'm in between happy and sad. That's what I use it for. So <laughs> anyway, so those are a few. And so this this series, we're talking about emotions. And Mark uh, shared with you last week that emotions are part of our well-being. They're part of who God made us to be. And sometimes we need to have our emotions healed or there's a part of our... Um, our emotions can get out of whack, and so we need to have God come in and kind of straighten us up. Yeah. And um, so when when Pastor uh, prays about what we're going to have our series be for the year, and I said, "Oh, emotions! I, I you know like to talk about emotions," and I you know God has a sense of humor. I did not know when this series would fall exactly. I missed that meeting. And so um, I found out that it was going to be over spring break, which is interesting because I have worked in the school system for the last 20 years. And spring break, to me, always signifies everybody going on vacation except me. That's what it has meant for me for a long time. And so I was like, so what should I preach on? Hmm, I really, envy and jealousy? Yeah, I guess that's what what we would would preach on because it's something I'm familiar with. So, um now in our culture, we or in our country, America, we use the word jealousy to mean jealousy and envy. But actually, they're two different, there's they're actually different, but they're the same side of one coin. Okay, so like a penny has got heads and tails. Um, jealousy is on one side, envy's is on another. And the biggest distinction, if I can clarify this for you, is jealousy most often is about three people. It is um a, you feel this about another relationship someone else's you know that they have a relationship or maybe you're in a relationship and somebody's trying to take their affection away from you so that's with jealousy where envy is usually about two so you really feel something you want what that person has you want their status their stuff whatever it is so envy is usually about two people jealousy is about three (coughs) so um, like I said I in last week I had a chance to share in Vandalia And it was interesting. I I said, you know, so everybody is on vacation. Well, except for you guys and me, (laughs) because there's plenty of people who don't go. So this has been something that I have, I mean, this is just a real thing that I have thought about over the years that, you know, wow, I I tend to go, oh, I want to go someplace, you know. So let's just... um, the topic of my series was Green-Eyed Monster and so I thought you know we've heard that before but where does it actually come from well Big surprise, nobody really knows. So um, there has been some descriptions that say that jealousy or envy, the reason they call it that is because when a person becomes sick, that their skin will turn like a yellowish-green. And so they're like, well, maybe it's because jealousy and envy can make you sick. Maybe that's where it came from. Or if you eat fruit that's not ripe and it's really, really green, it can make you sick as well. Um, The first time it was used in writing, though, was Shakespeare. He talked about, in The Merchant of Venice, he talked about green-eyed jealousy. And then later, he wrote Othello, and he talked about cats being green-eyed monsters because they would play with their mice before they killed them. Okay? So, so they, they think that probably taking the two of them together, that jealousy um, and envy would be a green-eyed monster, that it would cause you to do things <laughs> that are not right. So let's break these apart. So jealousy. Jealousy is the uneasiness felt due to suspicion, resentment, or fear of rivalry, especially in regards to love or affection. And like I said, this is most often seen between three people. So you could be jealous of someone else's relationship. You could be jealous of somebody trying to hone in on your relationship. Now, if you look at the Bible, there is a place where jealousy is a good thing, and that's with God. God is jealous for our affections. And the actual root of that word means zealous or zeal for our affection. And he wants all of our affection and all of our adoration and all of our love. But the reason he wants it is because he doesn't want us chasing after things that would harm us. You know, it is an actual jealousy in that regard is a protection for us. It protects us from our own devices. And so that is when it's good. Unfortunately, we're human and most oftentimes, we experience jealousy as a bad emotion. And I was reading about um, jealousy, and it said that it's really a combination of emotions. It's, it's not just one. It's a combination of anger, resentment, inadequacy, helplessness, and disgust. No fun. <laughs> and what's interesting about jealousy is it's been seen in babies, Babies have been seen to be jealous of a parent's affection toward another baby. It has been seen in primates. They had done these studies with gorillas and monkeys and seen jealousy there. It's even seen in bluebirds. This was fascinating to me. They they took these mating bluebirds, and the female was in her nest, and the male was there, and he flew off. And they put, three feet away, they put a stuffed bluebird. So not real. It's sitting here. And the bluebird, the male comes back, and sees this other male and starts squawking and carrying on and trying to get it to go away. Well, it's stuffed, so it's not going anywhere. So he turns on the female and starts going after her and plucks out her feathers or or takes out her feathers until she finally flies away. I thought, wow, that's just like, it's pervasive in our whole whole world. Um, It is the leading cause of spousal death in the u.s and it is a fear of being displaced it is anxiously suspicious and it also can be described as agitated worry now proverbs twenty seven four says anger is cruel and fury overwhelming but who can stand before jealousy now there have been tons of stories written about jealousy we've seen movies it is a plot and a theme in all kinds of writing and, um, and movies. Jealousy is exhausting. And I, I was reading this, and it said, it is a hungry emotion. It must be fed. It likes information and seeks truth, even if there isn't any. Um, jealousy, this is another quote, jealousy trains us to look with intensity, but not accuracy. So we're looking... That emotion wants to be fed, and it doesn't matter what it what it finds, it will say it's true. So, what about envy? Well, envy is the feeling of discontent and resentment aroused by another's desirable possessions or qualities, accompanied by a strong desire to have them for oneself. Now, I said envy is usually between two people. And um, in the Bible, it's always bad. There's never, it's never, there's never any redeeming quality about envy. Um, in Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. So maybe that's where that whole idea of being sick comes from, that envy and jealousy can make one sick. Um, it is a raw emotion, and it's seen universally in every culture. They see envy; that it, it, it has been there, and um, it's basically wanting someone's stuff, their skills, their success. That's what the the root of it is. So when I um, so we want to find out where did um, where does this start? Where did it initiate? And so I started looking in the Bible, and lo and behold. It started with Satan himself. In, for, in Isaiah 14, 12 through 14, it says, Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O oh shining star, son of the morning. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, this is where it starts, I will ascend to, the, to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. So Satan himself, what kind of compelled him to do what he did was envy of what God had, of what he wanted to be God himself. And then he wasn't satisfied with not being successful at it, so he introduces it to Eve. In Genesis 3 we we'll pick up the story in the very beginning. The, se- the serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, do I, and he always does this, he always kind of, I shouldn't say always, he often starts with a question. Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, "Don't eat from it. Don't even touch it, or you'll die." And the serpent told the woman, "You won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from the tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good to evil." So there's where the envy starts. It's like it's like Satan opens a door in your heart. Like he just he just Taps it open just a little bit, a little kick. Hey, what about this? And she went, I don't know, what about this? (laughs) And said, oh, when the woman saw that the tree looked good, like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and then gave some to her husband. This envy, she wanted what she thought God was holding from her. She wanted what he had. We go to another story. And believe me, there's a lot of stories. <laughs> there's there's a, lot of, a lot of people in the Bible who struggled with jealousy and envy. But um, I just picked out a few. Uh, the, in Genesis 5, we hear the story of Jacob and Leah. I mean, Jacob and Rachel and Leah. And Rachel, so the, story, the back story um, starts with Jacob meets Rachel, falls in love with her, wants to marry her. He goes to her father, Laban, and says, I want to marry your daughter. And Laban says, well, that'd be fine, but you got to work for her. you got to work seven years. So Jacob goes, um, oh, all right. So he went to work for Laban, worked seven years. At the end of seven years, he's on his wedding, and he goes into the tent, and Laban pulls a switcheroo. He goes, yeah, I can't really marry off my younger daughter unless my older daughter's married. So he sends Leah into the tent. They consummate the marriage. The next morning, Jacob wakes up to find he's not married to the woman he thought he was gonna be married to. So he goes back to Laban and says, wait a second, I wanted Rachel. I still want Rachel. And Laban says, all right, well, I can cut you another deal. I'll let you work seven more years and you can have Rachel. So in in verse 28, Jacob agrees. When he'd completed the honeymoon week, Laban gave him his daughter Rachel to be his wife. Okay, so Leah gets a husband for a week before she gets to share him with somebody else. And Jacob then slept with her, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. He worked for Laban another seven years. Now when God realized that Leah was unloved, he opened her womb. So even though so, Rachel, or I'm sorry, Leah is obviously upset. I'm reading into this a little bit, but she's feeling unloved. Now, whether Jacob really didn't love her or whether she felt unloved is not the point. The point is she felt unloved, okay? She did not feel loved, and God says, you know what? I'm going to open up her womb, and, um, but Rachel, Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and had a son. She named him Reuben. Look, it's a boy. This is a sign, she said, that God has seen my misery and a sign that now my husband will love me. Now in that culture, to give your husband a son was the highest honor. I mean, that, that's how you carried on the generations and that was, that was something that was amazing. And so she's thinking, okay, I can win his love. He didn't love me before, but maybe I can win his love now because I give him a son. She became pregnant again and had another son, and says, God heard, she said, that I was unloved. So he gave me this son also, and she named this one Simeon. God heard. She became pregnant yet again, another son. And she said, now maybe my husband will connect with me. I've given him three sons. That's why she named him Levi, which means connect. So all this time, we, we have to think about this for a second. I mean, she can't just like pop out babies, right? So this must have taken at least three sons Okay, at least five years, all right, probably six. This whole time, she's still feeling unloved, and she wants what Rachel has. And she became pregnant a final time and had a fourth son. She said, this time, I'll praise God. So she named him Judah, praise God, and then she stopped having children. And I, as I was reading the story, I just felt like, did... Did something change in Leah? Did she finally find that peace that quenched that jealousy? Did she finally find something and go, you know what? I should be thanking God for what I've got. You know, I've got four sons, and, um, and we don't know because it doesn't, it doesn't really say. But this whole time that she's having babies, trying to get what Rachel has, Rachel just wants a baby. She wants what she's envious of Leah. Leah's jealous of Rachel, but Rachel's envious of Leah. She wants a baby, and she cries and carries on and, and even has tantrums, and Jacob's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like, I'm doing my part, you know? Finally, at one point, God opens her womb, and she has a baby, and the minute she has that baby, you'd think, okay, now she's got what, she, what, her, sister, or, yeah, what her sister already had, but she wasn't satisfied. She went right after, I want another one. I want another one. You know, that jealousy, that envy is something that always has to be fed. It doesn't stop. Even when it should stop, it doesn't stop. And um, talk about dysfunctional families, right? This was definitely one. Um, and then the last story that I want you to, to share with you is the one about Jesus and the Pharisees. In Mark eleven eighteen, 18, when the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard that Jesus, what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because they, the people were so amazed at his teachings. So here's this guy who not only does he do miracles, but he's a great teacher. Now, if you're a teacher and somebody's getting crowds to follow them, you're like... Wait a second. So, so this envy and jealousy is building up in them, and it's stirring, and it needs to be fed to the point where it just isn't a toehold anymore. The door isn't cracked open. They open the door wide up and let Satan come in and set up shop, so much so that they plan to kill him. Kill him because he's a good teacher? Like, really? But that's how it goes. It starts with a question or a thought And then it needs to be fed, and you feed it more, and usually it's with lies, and then it it becomes this insatiable thing that causes people to do things that you would never think they would do. So I I just want to um, just think about in your own life, has there ever been a time that Satan has just come and knocked on your door, cracked it open just a little bit, has he ever, you know, has he ever said, Hey, do you work you know, how about you need to work harder to look good? Do you examine others with a critical eye? Do you have hidden feelings of inferiority? Do you complain about not getting a fair treatment? Do you need lots of recognition for your achievements? Do you keep score on your good deeds and those of others? Do you put on a false front in order to appear impressive? Do you base your self-image on your performance? You know, I'm going to be really honest. I, this whole vacation thing, I'm better now. (laughs) I'm better. I am. Um, But it was interesting. Mark had shared um, last week about the fact that you can get healing. You can go through a healing restoration. You can go through counseling. But you do have to maintain. You know, if you kick Satan out of your heart, that doesn't mean he's not going to try again. Right. And and when when someone goes on vacation, you know, I, I there the, there was a time that I would just being real honest go, man, I can't go. Hmm. Yeah, I know they're going on this cruise. I hope it rains the whole time. Okay, or. I mean, I'm just being honest. I've had those thoughts that you know, I just like, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see their pictures. I don't want to, I don't want to know what they're doing. You know, I don't want to hear about it. Um, So, some of the ways that you can open that door and let him to camp in or come in and camp is when you're overly concerned for your personal rights. This is where you blame others. And instead of saying, you know, I, and we often see it in school, you know, oh, I didn't do well in that class because the teacher didn't like me. Yeah. You know, let's blame the teacher. Or, well, he got a good grade, but I didn't. And, but, um, you know, it's not my fault. It's she likes him better. Hmm. So there is, like, this personal responsibility that allows you to have some rights, right? Maybe if you studied a little more, you might do better on the test. Or, you know, so we, we have to keep that in balance um, another area that he could um, come in and, and kind of mess things up is taking others, other people's success personally. You know, like when somebody else gets something, you're like, oh, well, they just like them better than me, you know. Or and it, whether someone else is successful or not has nothing to do with you. You know, that, that is something that they're, they've achieved. You, you shouldn't be focusing on them. But that's how the enemy gets you. Is he, he comes into your heart in that way. Um, and, and if you choose to start doing that and looking at everybody's successes, you'll soon resent everyone. Another is desiring selfish gain. Um, envy starts with desire. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong with working hard. And, but when you work hard and are never content, there is a problem. And um, I read this thing about Rockefeller. Somebody asked him one time, how much money is enough? You know what his response was? Just one more dollar. Just one more. How many billion do you need? Just one more. Just one more. It's that insatiable, there's never enough. Um, yearning for, for status. You know, it's fine to want to excel, but, but are you wanting to excel to outdo everyone else? Is it a competition always? Are you not really realistic about your own weaknesses or your own strengths? You know, looking at everybody else, I, I, I will never, I don't know, I'll never be a, a marathon runner that wins the Boston Marathon, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying I could never do it, probably if I trained really hard. Probably not. You know, let's just be real honest. I, I'm, you know, there, there's one thing to say, yeah, I'd like to run, but be realistic about some of your strengths and weaknesses. And the one that really gets us is the inability to share, the inability to share in other people's success and truly be happy for them. Um, The bottom line is that, oh, whoa, I went too fast, sorry. The bottom line is the enemy comes with fear and says, oh, you're not enough. You don't have this. You don't have that. It's not enough. And God wants to bring you peace because peace is the only thing that can combat that. He wants to steal that from you. So how do we overcome? Well, the first step is to admit it. Just be honest. In in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it talks about the envy is the product of sinful human nature. It just is. It's in our nature, and it's sin, so just calling it what it is and asking the Holy spirit you know where what is this what is this where is this coming from? Why do I feel this way and and i I go to, to my husband and say, You know I'm feeling kind of angsty and I can't figure this out and and we'll talk, and then I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm jealous or I'm envious, oh, okay, this is what it is, but then you have to and and if you Do not admit it. You do not, if you do not, you ignore that it's there, it will camp in your house, in your heart. It'll wreak havoc, and it produces shame. And then you're like, oh, I don't want anybody to know. I think that's one of the reasons why I wasn't feeling so good. I I didn't want to share with all of you that I struggle with this. But it's true. Sometimes I have to go, oh, no. And you have to choose to get rid of it. You have to make a choice to say, you know what, I don't want this. I don't want this in my life. In 1 Peter uh, 2, 1 through 2, it says, Rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. So you have to choose to get rid of it. And God says he wants you to get rid of it too. And in Gal- Galatians 5, 26, it says, Envy keeps you from living the life God intended for you to have. So do you want what God wants for you, or do you want to keep what the enemy wants you to believe? Um, Sometimes choosing to get rid of it might mean going on a media fast, a social media fast. And for me, this was true. For a while, I would have to, like, just not look at Facebook or Instagram during spring break. Like, really? Because one, one commentator I was reading about, she said, it was actually a TED Talk, she said, we're all good citizens of social media, aren't we? Where envy is the currency, wow, is that really what it is? If it is, then maybe you need to take a break from it and say, "Wait a second, I need to reevaluate why I want to be here. what What am I looking for? Am I looking for those truths that aren't really truth? Or am I looking to feed that envy or jealousy? Um, and then we need ooh, then we need to confess it as sin and accept forgiveness. In 1 John 1, 9, uh, he says, But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all wickedness. He takes and washes our heart. He gets rid of all that envy and jealousy. And then you need to accept yourself as God made you. You know, I have all these verses. um, Psalm 139, 14 he says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. That's what God thinks about you. He loves you. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's masterpiece. Each one of us is a masterpiece. Even if I can't run the marathon, God still thinks I'm a masterpiece. In 1 Peter 2, 9, however, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people who belong to God. That's what your identity is. That's who we are. That's who we were created to be. And the last thing is to give to the other, to give to others joyfully. Envy is rooted in selfishness. It is all about me. And I read this, this is amazing. Jealousy is not so much an emotional problem, it is a positional one. It's, it's like, if you think of this triangle, or you just think about sides. When I'm envious of somebody, I'm here and they're there. We are not on the same side. But if I come alongside of them, and I'm rooting for them, and I'm cheering for them, I am no longer in opposition with them. And envy can't come in between us because I'm with them. And that is the, that's true of jealousy or envy. And the other place that you need to position yourself is with God. What does God have to say about your situation? What does God have to say about your vacations? What does God have to say about, you know, your status, your your finances, whatever it is that you're struggling with, you need to go to God and ask him, what, what, what do you see? Where, where is my position in this? What should I be striving after? What should my goals be? Maybe it's not a competition. Probably isn't. Maybe God has something special just for you. He made you unique, and he has things for you to do that I can't do. And understanding that and positioning ourselves with God will help us to achieve those goals and keep that door closed yeah. so that the enemy can't come in. When you position yourself with others, you win when they win. When you're excited, my my son, now this is kinda not fair because it was my kid, my kid got to go to Florida. Yes. yes he got to go to Florida for vacation. He didn't and I did see you. It. And it, I did. That is why I was on Facebook as much as I was. No, I, I loved seeing my kid enjoy. You know, when you position yourself to see people that you love doing things and going places and being able to have opportunities, you know what? It, the, the minute it starts to hear, you can say, Oh, you're going to Florida? Awesome, where are you going? You should try going here. Or maybe this, or, or when the minute that comes out of your mouth, it shuts that door to the accusations that the enemy would throw at you. It shuts that door. It's opening your mouth and confessing what's true and good and right and lovely. And lastly, having a heavenly perspective. Remembering that this is a temporal world. This is a short time. A few years ago, when I was really struggling with this, especially about vacations, I finally just was like, okay, yeah, this is what I needed to do. I need to ask God, you know, like, what? what Am, am I ever going to see this? Am I ever going to see that? And, and God's like, he just showed me this picture of the new earth. Yeah. He's like, you know, one day, even if you don't make it to all the seven wonders or whatever it is, you, even though you don't see the Grand Canyon, you'll get to see the entire new earth without the restraints of having to sleep or having to eat or being jet-lagged or tired. When I create it all, you get to see it all. And not that that doesn't mean that I shouldn't save for a vacation that I want, but it is something Just look at God's perspective and it just put in, in, in me, you know what? I need to be focusing on him. And then the desires that he puts in me He'll show me how to fulfill those desires. And that's what we want to do. So, thank you.
0: All right. Well, let's stand this morning as we um, draw our service to a close. And we've been reminded this morning of the hope of the gospel, haven't we? As we've heard Kathy share the word of God with us. And the Bible has lots of language and imagery to talk about what we've just heard where we go from darkness into light where we go from death into life and that's what we've heard this morning when it comes to emotions and dealing with some of those emotions in particular that we all frankly wrestle with but we don't always want to talk about it right and so this morning as a church we've thought about it and talked about it and it's really important that we do it right where else is a better place to do this than to come to church and to hear god's perspective on all of this so I just want to take a moment and I want to pray for each one of us this morning who's here and who's heard um, God's Word this morning. And I want to just pause for a moment and just allow the Spirit to come in and each of our hearts and just to have a moment where we can ask God's Spirit, is there anything this morning that you want me to respond to in particular, where we ask God, is there anything in particular you want to do in my heart this morning in this moment? And so Um, As we pray, I'll just pause for a moment as I pray, and we'll just allow God's Spirit to speak to each one of us as we close this morning. So, Father, as we look to you, we are thankful for your word, thankful for the power of the gospel, because your word brings us through the power of salvation, through the work of Christ, from death into life, from darkness into light. And that's what we want to do this morning, God when it comes to these emotions of dealing with jealousy and envy, is to walk from darkness into light, to go from a place of, of, of bitterness and jealousy and envy, and we want to move into the light that you offer, God, that peace and that heavenly perspective that we heard about. God, if there's anything, any area of our lives this morning where you want to just put your finger to say, this is an area I want to press on, God, you so graciously and and kindly and graciously, you identify things in our lives that you want to deal with. So this morning, God, we just pause and ask, is there anything that you want to speak to us about? We ask you to come, Holy Spirit, speak to us, we pray, this morning. And this morning, God, we say again that you are good, you are kind, you are faithful. And we can trust you with our emotions, God. We can trust you with this process. When we turn to you, we know that you are faithful to hear our prayers. You are faithful to carry our burdens. And so this morning, we rejoice again in the hope and the power of the gospel and in your word. We thank you so much, Jesus, for the victory that you have won for us. That we can step into freedom in every area of our lives, including our emotional lives, God. And what we deal with in our emotions day to day. Thank you so much for your grace and your peace this morning, God. We pray that you would bless the rest of our day, bless this week as we go by everything we have to do this week, God. Pray you be with us in your name we pray. Amen.